This podcast often contains controversial or mature topics. You have been warned. And welcome back to the show that had just preceded the show you didn't know you were watching in the future. The name of that show was... Spicy Tamales. <laughs> I guess you're right. I didn't know I was watching Spicy Tamales because that sounds like some awful no, 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 Nick wait. Jr. show. Spicy Tamales go to France and eat snails. <laughs> that Okay, I was poking fun at Nick Jr., but that does sound like a Nick Jr. show, actually. It sounds like an episode of something. Oh, man. Spicy Tamales go to France. Welcome back, everyone, to Ray Gun Readers, episode six. We have been busy lately, so this didn't come out exactly a week Very after the busy. last one. I'm sleepy. That's, Someone's sleepy. That's that's my name right now. You call <laughs> sleepy. me sleepy. Uh, what's your pony name if you're sleepy? Uh, bedtime story. <laughs> that 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 works. <laughs> Actually, that that works. Uh, I forgot to point this out last time. Thank you to Beth, also known as Nadir, or Nadal the Echidna on the internet. She is an amazing artist, and she made the banner art and the art you see on the YouTube episodes going forward. So thank you so much, Beth. She's amazing. Check out her stuff. This is an episode devoted to a five-part series on the short sci-fi stories right, Reddit. And which friend of yours can we not make fun of that... This story Caesar is Salad and I are not friends. <laughs> we are podcast acquaintances for the purpose of science fiction. Is his name really Caesar Salad? That's that's the oh my uh, God. that's the no 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 it's Caesar's pseudonym. Salad Caesar's Salad. That's the pseudonym. But uh, thank you very really? much. I thought that was somebody's name. Mister Salad, thank you very much for your story. Mister Salad, middle name Romaine. <laughs> That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Caesar romaine salad. Caesar's romaine salad. Caesar's romaine salad. Okay. All right. Fine. Uh, This was one of the first stories I asked permission to narrate uh, back when we started this, but I realized it was three parts and had not yet been completed, as the author told me. So I waited until it was complete, and now we're going to do it all in one go and not have it And I'm going to have opinions because I'm sleepy. (laughs) You always have opinions. These ones are just going to be goofy. No, they'll be (laughs) completely valid if you're in a dream state. Oh, man. All right, so this is called The Brown Dwarf Saga. First part is called A Warm Welcome by Caesar's Salad. And it starts out with a what's called an ancient Terran proverb. Those who have agreed to climb the highest will fall the deepest. Oh, wow. Uh, So this is one big paragraph. I guess I'll just read until I stop, and then you can pick up the second part. Sure. Okay. I don't remember why I am what I am now. My earliest memories are from just after the upload. The scientist standing in front of the monitor told me I had been suicidal, that my wife had died in a tragic accident. They told me they had saved me, suppressed all bad memories from before the upload, and now... I was nothing more than a program in a drive. Yet, I was still happy in my new robotic body. That was the one big drawback with uploading technology. After your brain was taken apart and turned into a program, there was no going back. Of course, your body was just a husk without a brain now. But even if they grew you a new body in a lab or something, no download into an organic body had ever been successful. They could, however, download you into a robot, which they did for me, 
But that was... But they did it in Avatar. Different. Yeah, but Avatar was terrible. <laughs> no one liked that. Or the a other Avatar. A lot of Avatar. people liked it because it was pretty. Oh, you're right. No. Everyone hated Last Airbender. Some people... Well, I guess a lot of people liked Avatar, which was dumb. We're talking about movie form, not other forms. God, I but... hate that movie. Anyway, so yeah. He's talking about the Blue People movie. The Blue People movie. So yeah, go ahead and take it at um after different. I wasn't. I wasn't complaining, though. I had been suicidal, and they had saved me from myself. Hidden the bad memory so I could be the happy scientist I had always been. Yes, I don't like to brag about it, but I was once one of the best scientists in the field of colonization technology. Wait, let me repeat that. Yes, I don't like to brag about it. Humble but, brag. <laughs> but I was one of the best scientists in the field of colonization technology. Give me a problem, and I'll make a flourishing colony out of it. That's why I took the job these people had for me, colonizing the system around a brown dwarf. It had been done before. Sure, but I hadn't done it before. I was deactivated and put into a sail ship. After the ship had pointed itself into the right direction, magnetic cannons in orbit around the system's largest gas giant started firing small pellets of mag mag magnetic smart matter in our direction, which transferred uh, their kinetic energy to the ship when they hit our magnetic sail. Huh. In a few years, we were... Up to a speed of 0.1c. 60 more years to go. Just 60 to go. So before we continue, can you explain what a brown dwarf is? It's Ugh. a star. Ugh. I have a feeling this writer's smarter than me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there's a spectrum of uh, how bright a star is, and that's that's due to a lot of factors. Um uh, basically how much mass is in it, how hot it burns, how much, you know, um, the size it gets to. And a brown dwarf is on the lower spectrum. So it goes, there's, it's a letter system for the, for, for the majority of stars that have been discovered. Like, oh gosh, our, I, I forget what our sun is, but, um, we're somewhere within the, the letter magnitude, but on the, the, the dim side, uh, uh, a lot of those stars weren't discovered until later, and they had already started today, so they call them like brown dwarves and little things like that. Mm. Um, but basically, it's just a really dim star that's hard to find. Oh, so it's just a low, low output. Yeah, low output, okay. um, small mass star. And I'm guessing for the sake of the story, colonizing around a low output star is hard because it I guess life doesn't flourish on habitable class M planets uh, as much. Maybe I don't know. Uh, uh, this is conjecture. Well, I, I I don't know if there would even be a habitable zone around a brown dwarf. Hmm. Um, that's that's the question I would have. Um, uh, so anything. I'm a good scientist. Um, <laughs> anything orbiting it would probably just be barren rock. But I'm sure something. that something would orbit it. There's there's a mass there that's clearly capable of burning something. So hmm. um, it just doesn't burn really bright. Should I look this up and then put it on? No, it's okay. You sure? I could look stuff up and then... No, it's all right. Anyway. As you said, he um, the author may be... Um, he may give us something we don't know. 
Right. And if not, but, we can break and well, look at it. Just something to think about. The habitable zone around a brown dwarf would be a lot closer to the sun than it would be uh, in our solar system. Okay. That makes sense. Just to point out. Sorry, sirs. This sounds like a very challenging and fun project, but I can't leave my wife behind now. We're having our first child. The man behind the desk looked at the young scientist. He didn't seem to be budging, but he really needed him, or else he could never get any profit from this damned brown dwarf. Just call your price. Money is of no concern. No, sir, I am not going. This conversation is over. The man looked at the scientist's back as he walked out the door. This wasn't over yet. I woke up and looked out at the clock in front of me. ETA, 45 years. I wasn't supposed to wake up yet. Now that I think about it, I don't think I'm supposed to dream either. What was that dream? I had no memory of that man, but it was like... But it was certainly me he was talking to. Wait, how do I know what I used to look like? Before I realized it, I was deactivated again. Ooh, interesting. So he's having, like, flashbacks before he was uploaded. Okay. But what is, de is he being de deactivated automatically? We don't know. But it would, it would, it would appear so, like, if they noticed activity where there shouldn't be. Is any. he alone on his, uh, his ship going out? We don't know. He's just on a ship. We don't know who's going out with him. I, I imagine there's other people. Honey, I didn't expect you to be home so soon. A young woman with a swollen belly stands in front of, in, in the front door of a freestanding home. In the distance, the horizon seems to curve upwards until it disappears into the clouds above. The meeting didn't go so well. They wanted me to leave you behind to help in the colonization of a nearby brown dwarf they just discovered. Ha <laughs> ha, that sounds just like something for you. Why did you decline? I don't want to leave you behind. So did they forcibly download him to something? Because he didn't want to leave? Was it forcible? We don't know yet. Um... Or something may have happened to his family and then he decided... He said I wasn't complaining, though. I had been suicidal. Yeah. And they had saved me from myself. So we don't know. So he may have been compliant. Unless they implanted the suicidal thoughts into his head. And that's all he remembers. Nah. Well, I don't think that's where the story is going. There's no know. indication of that. Hmm. I mean, like, the fact... Well, we don't know why he's sad. Oh, exactly. well... Oh, okay. I get it. So these are flashbacks before bad things happened. Yeah. And then he probably lost his wife or something. Yeah. All right. Foreshadowing. Continue on. Gina. I felt my eyes burn. My wife's name was Gina. I remembered her. I remembered her smell, her soft skin, her, her everything. If I could cry, I'm sure I would have. Right there and then. Her sweet ass. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. I felt the deactivation start. I struggled but couldn't stay awake. The last thing I saw was the few red letters, ETA. 28 years. So he, oh wow, so he's doing long, long bouts of sleep in between these random Right, which memories. Would, one would assume that's why he lost his wife. Oh, dude, maybe they, like, killed them. Maybe. I don't know. See. Too early. Too I early. always go to the nefarious, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. All right. There was red on my hands. Gina's vacant eyes stared at me from the other side of the room. I cried. I called out for her. I reached for her face. I felt her soft brown hairs between my fingers until I was violently pulled away out of the house into a van. I screamed. A man was sitting at the other side of the van. I recognized him. You! This is all you're doing! The man laughed. I would have broken his jaw if I hadn't been restrained. 
Yes, and now that you don't have your wife to worry about, what do you have to say about our proposal? I sank to the floor, blood, sweat, and tears dripping onto the floor of the van. I knew what they were going to do to me. There was no escape. Who was right? Who was right? Foul play. Called it. Ooh, Called it. What do you want? This, uh, I want a damn cookie. No. Okay. I awoke screaming this time. I remembered everything. I remembered my entire life and how they'd ruined it. I was raging. I was on the verge of destroying the entire ship until I noticed the big brown red ball in front of the ship. I laughed. Colonists were coming. Expecting a utopia in a cold tundra. Ideas flashed through my mind. High-velocity projectiles, fusion charges, dirty bombs, antimatter, gray goo. I would destroy everything they sent towards me, just like they had destroyed my life. All right. This is very tense. Interesting. And also, so they're going to a frozen tundra planet near the brown dwarf. And how he wants to destroy everything. Well, I guess that answers our question of, can you have a habitable planet in the brown dwarf system? Maybe it would be, well, it would be really cold. Um, from what he's describing, it's a very, um, very dull red glow coming from this planet. And it's not really the light you need so much as, well, I mean, you need the heat. Yeah. Um, and a frozen cold tundra, that's what I would imagine it would be. So, um, that being said... Because of how low it's burning, I imagine a brown dwarf would burn for a very long time. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I want to look up what Earth is, though. This is important to me. I, I remember reading it, actually. It's like a... It's a... Mag I, it's a juvenile star? Like a juvenile small star or something? I don't remember now. No, why am I looking up the Earth? I am smart. <laughs> I know you meant sun, even though you said Earth. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I auto-corrected that. The sun is a G2V type star, a yellow dwarf. Yellow dwarf. Yellow dwarf. We're a yellow dwarf, <laughs> so we're already small. G, we're magnitude G, though. We're, uh, I'm probably mixing it up. It's a class G magnitude uh, is going to be something else yeah. entirely. In order of decreasing temperature, O, B, A, F, G, K, and M. So we're a yellow dwarf, which I guess burns hotter than a brown dwarf. Just Much of, hotter. Yeah, okay. But we're a small, ours is a small star, comparatively speaking, to other gas giants. Mm, to a lot of stars, yeah. Mm. I mean, we're on a spectrum. Okay. On mm -hmm. to part two. A cold goodbye. Part two, called a cold goodbye. And we have another quote at the beginning of it. Both innocence and innocence die in war. Unknown soldier, 2344 AD. Would we be using AD at this point? I think we'd be. Uh, probably. We'd be, we'd be on CE. Well, I guess I don't know. CE? Common Era. And BCE before Common Era. That's how a lot of textbooks are saying. But I thought it went um, BC and then AD. Yeah, but now we're doing new ones because BC and AD are religious, religious and kind of, you know. That's cute. You I, think we're going to stop being religious? We stopped calling Pluto a planet. But you really think we're going to stop being religious? The textbooks already have started doing that, oh, dude. No, 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 no. We're not having this discussion. <laughs> we were the first colony ship and I hope we were the last. Because fuck anybody coming after me. <laughs> 
We were all slowly taken into a giant colony ship, a long cylinder with many rotating parts and a large bulge at the front, headed for the nearby brown dwarf where a beautiful colony would be waiting for us. Or so they said. My daughter walked up to me and whispered something. I bent over so I could hear her. Sorry, honey, what did you say? I'm scared, Daddy. Oh, Gina, you don't have to be scared. We're just going to sleep for a few nights, and then we'll be in our new home. Wait, she's also named Gina? I don't know. Let's keep reading. Are there birds there, Daddy? She had been fascinated with birds since we had given her a book about them last Christmas. She, ne she, But she had never actually seen one. There were none on our space station. Of course. And there will be trees and flowers and cats and dogs. She became visibly happier and started to run forward where my wife was walking with our youngest son. Just... A half, uh, just half a year old. I could see her talking enthusiastically to my wife, and they both looked back to me with a smile. I felt warm inside and started to pace a bit faster to catch up with them. When we were in the ship, we were taken to the cryopods. These, uh, when we were in the ship, we were taken to the cryopods. Large, translucent tubes that could safely freeze humans of any age to prevent aging and death in the time it took to reach other stars and planets. I looked to my sides. My daughter and son were in the pods next to me. My wife was in the pod at the other walkway. I smiled at all of them to let them know we would be safe. I woke up after what seemed like seconds, but I know that a little less than 60 years had passed. I was one of the first to be woken up. Because I was an engineer responsible for the deceleration engine, a large hydrogen fusion reactor that expelled the hot helium plasma it created into the direction we were traveling, creating backwards thrust that would slow us down enough to enter a stable orbit around the brown dwarf. So this is someone else. This isn't the... Yeah, um, no, this is... Um, this these, is are, these are people that are... Um, with someone with a kid named traveling. Gina. Emigrating. That means something. We don't know. Does it? Maybe all kids are named Gina and all guys are named Steve. In the future. In the future. I arrived in the control room after about 10 minutes of walking, and I immediately started checking all the systems for any errors. I had been trained for this many months before the launch, and I felt great to finally be in control. Engines at the side of the spacecraft were starting maneuvers to enter a stable orbit. After a few hours, I started the deceleration process. I could hear the fusion engines starting up with a reddish-purple plasma... Oh, and a reddish-purple plasma appeared on the view screens. There was a celebration around the room, and a bottle of champagne was opened with a loud pop. Just as we were filling our glasses with the bubbling liquid, a series of shocks went through the entire ship, and loud alarms started blaring through the room. Everyone ran to their respective control panels and started furiously typing. It seems we have hit something. Impossible. There was nothing on our radar. There must have been an explosion. I went to the door leading to the engine room with two of my colleagues. We donned spacesuits and opened the door to the airlock. While waiting for the air pressure to drop a near vac to a near vacuum, we looked out the small window into the engine room. Patches of red-hot metal dotted the room, and near the front we could see a series of small tears through which we could see the stars. I stepped out of the airlock first and walked to the nearest reactor to assess the damage. This dude does everything. He yeah. does, like, interior panel control and does, like, spacewalks. That's well, you have to insane. learn how to solve all problems when you're sent. 
Did, so do they cross train every all the, all the astronauts to do like for safety? Yeah, for safety's sake. For like, there's certain things they all have to know how to do for sure. That makes sense. I stepped out of the airlock first and walked to the nearest reactor to assess the damage. Its magnets had been heated by an outside source, causing the magnetic field to collapse and the plasma to burst out through the reactor casing, heating another reactor and starting the process again. It was a classic example of a fusion reactor meltdown. But there hadn't been one on a ship for over a century. One of my colleagues called me over the comms. He had found something. In one of the paths, a solid blob was lying on the floor. The uh, floor around it tinged red from the heat. A spectral analysis uh, revealed it to be made of 99.9% pure tungsten. Our eyes widened. It was a high-velocity projectile designed to transfer huge amounts of energy when hitting an object. This meant that someone on the colony was trying to kill us. Oh, shit. My third colleague came back with the news. Whoever was trying to kill us had succeeded. None of the reactors were intact. And we were traveling in an angle that was way off our, way off to enter a stable orbit. We returned to the control room where we broke the news to everyone. I had never heard such silence before. Even the slightest mumble of the fusion, fusion engines wasn't there anymore. A quick analysis revealed that we were going to crash into the brown dwarf, where we would all become part of the gases and cool down until the end of the universe. We decided there was only one thing we could do, go back to our cryopods, so that we could at least die in peace. I walked back, feeling nothing but emptiness. I wasn't afraid. I wasn't sad. I wasn't angry. I walked to my wife's cryopod and put my hand on the glass. She was lying there, like Snow White from, an, from the ancient tales, beautiful and serene. I walked to Gina's pod. She looked like her mother, and I loved her just as much. Finally, I walked to my son's pod. He just looked like he was sleeping in his bed at home. I went to mine, smiling to my family, while entering it to let them know we would be safe. And as I felt the cre cold creeping up on me, I said, promise. I promise there will be birds there. A robotic eye watched the furious red ball through a protected screen. A human eye would never be able to see the subtle brightening of the object, but he could. A small dot glowing a bit brighter in infrared. His chrome face contorted into what could barely be called a smile, and he said, I will feed you, Gina. Alright, so robot guy's going crazy. And is trying to kill them and making it look like the colony's firing <gasps> oh, on them. Oh, dude. Okay, yeah. That's crazy. All right. I am invested so right now. So he killed a little girl named Gina to, because they killed his wife named Gina. Yeah. That's pretty fucked. Dramatic irony. Well, not really. I mean, not really. His chrome face contorted into what could barely be called a small, and he said, I will feed you, Gina. Why would he say that? I will feed you, Because he's gone crazy. He's fixating on the star thinking of his dead wife. So he named the star Gina? After his wife. And this dude has a daughter Wait. named Gina. But... It's a coincidence, but I'm willing to bet that he's going to find out, oh, there's a kid on here named Gina, and it's stupid to kill a bunch of people uh, because my wife's dead. Or he might try dead. and save the kid and be like, I will nurse you back to help Gina. Maybe. I will feed you to my But he robotics. wasn't looking at the kid. He was looking at the star. Gina. <laughs> Yeah, but, I mean, he's a robot now. That means he knows things. Knows what? 
Um, he doesn't mean he's tapped into the main That he frame. can cause a nuclear... He probably went like an R2-D2'd into the ship <laughs> and went, let's fire a projectile right at their nuclear reactor. Kill all the humans. <laughs> 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 all right. Part three. This one is called Sunset in Paradise. This is the quote. I don't want it to be a sunny day when I die. It should be rainy, like everyone else. Gerald Narther, poet, 2348. It should be rainy like everyone else, or every... Well, let me read it. Oh. Like all, like every other day is? I don't know. Yeah, that was a misquote, I think. Well, it's a made-up quote. Because it happened in 2348. Or maybe it should be rainy like a person? Maybe? I don't know. Maybe idioms are different in the future. <laughs> People are like the seasons. <laughs> <laughs> I want it to be winter like everyone else. <laughs> All right. We were the second colony ship and there was still... Wait. The second colony ship? Yeah, no, there was only one. And the guy was uh, a preceding colony organizer. So, wait, so the ship we were just talking about or it's reading the first from... One. Okay. okay. And this is the second one. All right. We were the second colony ship, and there was still one coming. I woke up with a gasp. This was my first time in cryosleep, and it was definitely something I had to get used to. I felt like I had too much mint gum, and my lungs felt near frozen. This is what happened when you use the cold activator on the beers, right? <laughs> You'll freeze your insides. That's actually how they uh, coax you to sleep in a cryosleep. They give you a shit ton of Coors Light. <laughs> they they uh, they crack your, your ankles and let the, the coolness seep into your body. Oh... <laughs> <laughs> uh... I knew it was just a few cells warming up. I had been told all about it in class, but it was still a strange feeling. Men in uniforms were guiding us to the main areas, where we would start to get more information about our current position and the station or planet we would be inhabiting. People were being forced like cattle into the rooms, and I was pushed into, into room Zeta-1. It was marked with a large Z-like symbol above the door. As we stood there, a gigantic screen that took up an entire wall of the room lit up. It showed the face of what I presumed to be the captain, and I knew the same face would be portrayed in the other rooms. How does he get on a ship and not even know who the captain is? Like, even when you get on an airplane, you get to know who the dude's voice is. Yeah, but you don't see their face. Yeah, but you, like, hear their name. Mm. Uh, Yeah, bad example. This is also an enormous ship, and I don't know. Well, yeah, exactly. The more enormous the ship is, the more famous the captain should be. Uh, I guess on the cruise ship we were told the name of the captain. Not that I remembered at all so whatever there isn't a picture of him up in every room no no I, where you can only uh, take photos if you take full photos of the captain <laughs> listen to the captain <laughs> enjoy the buffet or the captain will throw you into the river <laughs> we'll send you to the lower decks to paddle even though they have engines <laughs> paddle on a cruise boat <laughs> as he started to speak the room went quiet did everyone sleep well the captain let out a short laugh, and some of the people in the room groaned. Now on to the serious business. We have arrived in orbit around the brown dwarf that was our destination. A short applause filled the room, and I couldn't hear a rumble from the rooms really? next to this one. Well, shouldn't he be able? Shouldn't he be able to go like, "We made it," and everyone's like, "Oh, thank God!" Does he have to really? Because this isn't a fucking movie. But we made it. We made it. <laughs> Whatever. All right, your turn. <laughs> Yes, yes, thank you. I got you here all by myself. Okay. 
Yes, yes, thank you. But it was mostly the ship AI. Speaking of AIs, we have contacted the main AI and he has directed us to an O'Neill cylinder with two L's. O'Neill with two L's. Just say, okay. In orbit around the brown dwarf. In orbit, in orbit of the brown dwarf. For those who didn't pay attention in science class, an O'Neill... <laughs> Sick burn. For them and also for us, by the way. An O'Neill cylinder is, if it wasn't obvious, a cylinder. Gee, it rotates around its axis to create artificial gravity. Of course, this is a simplified, simplified explanation, but that's the basics of it. I sighed inwardly. I had hoped to be allowed to live on a planet or large moon or something. I'd grown up in an O'Neill cylinder and honestly was kind of bored by it. The captain continued rambling, but I had lost interest. Almost falling asleep, I jerked awake when I heard the captain speak in a louder voice. Oh, I'm the captain. This is your captain speaking. <laughs> I'll repeat myself for those who weren't listening too well. Go to the cargo areas and register with your name and social, social number to get any belongings you took with you on this journey. The captain smiled. Wait, cryo stations don't come with little cubby holes? Uh -huh. You get to put your stuff at the base? Ships are all about conserving space. So, right, so all of your shit should be with you. Eh. Like in the in the overhead compartment. I imagine... On your cryo, cryo chamber. <laughs> I, I can only really speak from looking at cryo chambers in other fictional media, but I imagine it's just cryo chambers and then the machinery that goes with it. Regular stuff is in a different room, you know, somewhere else. The captain smiled and then the screen faded to black. People quickly started turning around and charging for the entrance. Now an exit. Luckily, I was relatively close to it and got out without injury. After, after a long wait in line, it was almost my turn. Name and social number, please. <laughs> the woman in front of me spoke. <laughs> <laughs> Gina Posturus, 1256AC. After giving the woman behind the counter my name and number, I walked with the two great bags in my hands in the direction of a sign, of a sign saying airlocks. Okay, so this so is Gina the same ship. Gina comes up again. It's, a, it's the same ship? It's yeah. a different ship. No, it's the same one as part two. How do you know? Why would she be named Gina? I know we joked about everyone being named Gina in the but future, the but she can't all be named Gina. But Gina was a little girl in the other one. And that one was careening toward its death. Right. Gina was a little girl in that one. So, it's not the sh same ship. Okay. Everyone's just named Gina because it's the future. What? And everyone's named Gina. No, shut up. <laughs> that is the same ship. It's a little girl named Gina. It's so they not. didn't. They, how, it's who a full else grown person. She has like thoughts. Or at least she. What are you talking about? This is not a little kid. Don't you think. This is a little girl that was going, are there going to be birds there, daddy? It's not. It's not the same Gina. How do we know? Because I said so. No, the, the engineer woke up when they had to start decelerating. That yeah. doesn't mean they were right there. That just means they have... How come this girl, if she's the same little girl, isn't going, where's my dad? Because they were all told, hey, you're going to wake up probably at different times in different sections and going to be put in different areas and you'll meet up eventually because you all have social numbers. <laughs> Not everyone can be... Whatever, fine. Everyone... We'll see. We'll all the, see. All the guys are named Steve, by the way. <sighs> Uh, I walked with the two great bags in my hands in the direction of a sign saying airlocks. I walked out of the spaceport and I, bleh, I walked out of the spaceport and was immediately stupefied. 
To the left and right of me, a giant continent sprawled across the inside of the cylinder. It's a ring world like a halo. Ah. Only partially broken with rivers and lakes. In the far distance, I could see an ocean beginning at either side, after which there was nothing visible anymore. Not because the cylinder stopped, but because the rest was obscured by clouds. In front of me, the land went on to about half the cylinder, where it became a clear pane of glass stretching all the way to the other side where it became land again. The glass had a light blue hue to it. In the middle of it, right above me, was a giant strip of light, an artificial sun. As I scanned the sky above me, I noticed a slightly reddish spot on the blue of the glass, which was probably the brown dwarf we were orbiting. I thought to myself with a smile, maybe I'm not bored of O'Neill cylinders after all. Wait, so they docked with the cylinder? Is that what happened? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It had been a month since we arrived. Some people started noticing the red blur in our sky getting bigger by the day. The cylinder had a rotation rate of 24 hours, and our artificial sun also had a 24-hour period. So the brown dwarf sunset also marked the slow reddening of our artificial sun, and its rising marked the reignition. But it was getting bigger. Or better said, we were getting closer. Our calls for help to the system's AI returned no answer, and panic and anarchy broke out in the cylinder. Parts were broken off to create makeshift makeshift ships to escape, but those who escaped didn't get very far. The once beautiful view from my home was now filled with burning fields and buildings and the occasional explosion. We all knew we were going to die, but we wouldn't go silently. See, I was right. It is the same girl. And the rogue AI is pushing them in. It's not the same girl! At the end of part two, the rogue AI says, I'm going to feed you, Gina. Gina being the brown dwarf. He's putting the whole society into the brown dwarf as revenge. So how can the... How can this be this... How is that an argument for this being the same Okay, when the engineer woke up early to start the deceleration process, they were still many years out, right? Mm, No, they were a couple hours out. Is that what it said? Yeah, I think so. Are you sure? No. <laughs> well, we also don't know how young this girl is. It just says young. Uh, uh, you know, gr- young girls call their dad's daddy for a very long time. She could be, you know, a well, teenager. Well, that's sexist. No, it's not. <laughs> Ugh. No, dude. You're not. No. No, it's a different shit. I don't get how that's an argument for... Just just cause because he named it his makes... son Gina doesn't make... This, the same girl. Why? Are, okay, why are they getting closer to the brown dwarf then? Because they're they're losing, they're they're falling out of orbit. Why? Because I thought this was a proven system they made. Right. They don't know what's going on. It's not clear. Okay. Anarchy is breaking out. It's all just <clears throat> sort of happening very suddenly. <clears throat> well, suddenly to us as readers, clearly over time to them. Like, why would he make that whole rogue AI thing and just throw it away? After two parts of a five-part miniseries. What happened? Is he just gone? Is nothing no, happening with that? It, he might be sabotaging the ship. Exactly. Right. He's sabotaging st- the second colony ship. How would he get on the second one if he was on the first? He wasn't on the first one. How would he sabotage the second one if the first one blew up? How is this so complicated for you? Because <laughs> you keep saying it's not the same ship. It's not the same ship. They're all in the same ship. If the rogue AI was on the first one, and Gina and her family are on the second one, how the fuck does the first one affect anything if it blew up? Because he sabotaged it. It doesn't affect anything. 
so his character is just gone and doesn't do anything. Oh my god. Okay, so the first dude who went there was pissed, right? He went there alone on some sort of pre-ship, pre-colonization ship. And then there was another ship that came in. He shot a projectile into them, and they fell into the brown dwarf. And then another ship came in, the second colony ship. Also named Gina. It's not named Gina. No, but the person on it's named Gina, so we have three Not Ginas. everything is named Gina, Chris. We have three different Ginas at this point. Wife Gina, Gina the little kid, and Gina whoever this is. Why do we have three? Oh my god, I have to look back at the first story. No, oh, it's sure. okay. We'll, we'll revisit it. No, I have when we're to make done. sure I'm right. Well, we'll do that at the no, end. No, I have to make sure I'm right. Yeah, and the first one it says at the end, uh, I laughed, colonists were coming, expecting a utopia. Right? This guy's attacking all of them. He's killing them off, one by one, the ships. And just everyone's named Gina. I'm guessing, right. because this is the future, and everyone's named Gina and Steve. All right, whatever. Okay, continuing on. It would be night when we were going to impact. For the last few days, almost the entire sky had been a slightly bluish red in daylight and a red-tinted darkness at night. The advanced cooling systems made sure we survived the heat, assuring we would be alive when we impacted. Some didn't agree with this. Trees and lampposts were lined with filled nooses. Whoa. Damn. Me? I didn't care. I was just in my home, doing nothing. I watched the giant red circle disappear over the edge through my window and went to bed. A man is lying in his bed when a shock seems to go through the world. He opens his eyes just in time to see the ceiling crack and collapse onto him. A maniacal, metallic laughter filled the glass room as a chrome figure put his head on, on the glass. I know you're hungry, Gina. You just wait. Dessert is coming. How the hell is he living through all this? He's not falling into the sun. Then where's he staying? On his own ship? I guess. Uh, or his own re robotic AI. Maybe he's in a satellite. Well, now I just have to know. Continuing to part four. At a circle's end. An unbreakable ring does not make an unbreakable marriage. Gordon N. Nala, poet, 2248 to 2443. Well, that's just true. You know, symbols don't mean everything. We he says using symbols. We were the last colony ship, so no help is coming. I had my suspicions from the beginning. Where were the other colonists? Why weren't they replying, replying to any radio signals sent? The system's AI told us that they were in a different part of the system, but our observations showed that there were only a few comets and nothing else, except for our home, the Dyson Ring. Even though I didn't trust anything here, I still loved the ring. A beautiful collection of rotating habitats orbiting a cold brown dwarf amongst the stars carefully shielded from any harmful radiation that might come from it. But still, not to be trusted. Conspiracy theories ran rampant. Aliens, extra-dimensional beings, government experimentation. I like to browse them. Some were hilariously improbable. Some were intriguing. A new one caught my eye. A person with the username General Naphtaline had posted it last night. He talked about the system AI being a rogue AI that wanted to kill humanity. I laughed. It was something that had been the fear of mankind since we theorized AI. Since they made a movie about it in the late two thousand, or in the early two thousands, <laughs> and then another movie, and then another. Or one. wait, late nineties. I forget. It? I forget. And he didn't even have concrete evidence. I sighed and decided I wanted to have a walk outside just to clear my mind. Maybe I shouldn't be so paranoid. Maybe it is okay 
and there is just a very logical explanation for the absence of other colonists. Not likely when you're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. That's like the beginning of a horror movie, just with more people. I just had to think of it. Or think on it, I think they meant to say. I walked along a synthetic marble pathway towards one of the many administrative buildings in this sector. Beautiful synthetic marble. Just like most of them, it was decorated with thin lines of gold. Our habitat had been constructed from a particular, particularly gold-rich asteroid, hence its name, Golden. And that was very sensible. And that was very visible. Gold was used as decoration in almost every governmental building. Just as I walked around the corner and blinked the strong light from the artificial sun out of my eyes, a shock went through the ship. People fell over and car alarms were triggered. Why do you have cars still? I stood people up. People just can't get rid of their, uh, their sex mobiles. Sex mobiles. <laughs> oh. I stood up. The ticky feeling in my stomach confirmed it. We were tickly. Tickly? Tickly feeling in my stomach confirmed it. We were accelerating. I knew there was something wrong. Our station was named Endline, as it was the last to be built. We remained the most calm when we saw our neighbor, Golden, the first station to be constructed, accelerate towards the brown dwarf. So this is another station, I think. Yeah. Although it was obviously not an accident, the system AI didn't respond to our calls anymore. And we noticed all stations had hidden acceleration engines, too. Why did we remain calm? Well, people assumed that because we were the last to be built, we would also be the last to go. There was plenty of time to think of an escape strategy. This is why our shock was the greatest when we felt our acceleration just start just when Golden hit the brown dwarf's atmosphere. This is the last transmission of Endline Station. We are about to hit the brown dwarf. Please, anyone, do not. I repeat, and do not come to this system. I mustn't. I don't wanna. A man in burnt clothes covered in ash and soot sits with his back against a blackened tree. He is clutching his knees with burned hands and is obviously in pain. There has to be a way. There has to be. He mumbles to himself and looks around with a crazed look in his eyes. Suddenly a shock goes through the blackened forest. The man falls over but quickly stands up and runs deeper into the forest. No! I must save them! I must save all! Save me! He comes to the edge of the forest with tears in his eyes. Before him stands a weathered sign reading, Welcome to Nature, the greenest station in the (laughs) ring. Ooh, that's dark. The man falls to his knees and sobs amongst the ashes. I stood on the edge of the library, the highest building in the station. I had calculated the exact place I had to stand for my plan. I had a beautiful view. Broken glass and leaking water reflected the angry red from the brown dwarf perfectly. Black spots of burnt buildings and cars stood around, out from the reflected red, and the rare green provided a beautiful contrast. Even though it was near its end, Ambrosia was still a beautiful station. The most beautiful, I thought to myself, with a slight smile because we were the last in the entire system. Wait, I thought the other one was the last. Maybe they're all going at the same time and you just think they're lost? Oh, um, it was last built, I think. This oh, built, yeah. So this is the last one left. The acceleration had calculated where to... Uh, the, the acceleration had started a few days ago, and we would hit the brown dwarf today. Like I said, I had calculated where to stand. The perfect place. I wouldn't have to do anything. I would just let myself go. The woman closed her eyes. Not long after, a shock went through the station again. 
just like when it had accelerated for the first time, but this time much more violent. At the same time, a single woman fell peacefully. Normally, I would really rail against that jarring change in perspective. Yeah. But since it's repeated and we know what's happening, it actually works here, which is uh, rare. I don't. It, it works as far as drama, dramatiz- dramatization. Yeah. Dramatization. If he could, he would have been teary-eyed. He had made the most beautiful engagement ring for his Gina, and now they would marry. He started the acceleration just as he noticed a small ship approaching his comet. A, communi- a communication link opened and an angry voice filled the room. You destroyed me. I will rip your motherboard out. The robot's face contorted into what could hardly be called a smile. Hello, old friend. Are you here for my wedding? Hmm. This would make a really cool short, like, visual thing. What? This whole thing. So, I mean, this is all about the visuals. Yeah. Um, so the robot is mad at a dude. We don't know who that is yet, but... Who is this dude? We'll we'll find out soon. Okay. Last part, part five. The (laughs) wedding day. There are two things you should be afraid of. Love and insanity. And and weddings. And one often leads to the other. Boring weddings. Long weddings. Graham and Nania, satirist. We are here for the, the, the happiness of the joint union between Steve and Gina. We are here for Steve 345 and Gina 666. Because <laughs> that woman is the devil. Happy, happy, happy. Oh, no, wait, there's a quote. I just read it. Oh, you did. That's You interrupted me in the middle of the quote. I don't oh, know Oh, I thought why. you were just being weird and you. you know, I was just waxing political and <laughs> uh, philosophical for fun. Well, go ahead. Gram Anania. Again, just just read that. Fine, oh. I'll fucking start. No, no, no. Happy, happy, happy. Oh, I was afraid we would be we would be alone in this magnificent moment, Gina. But our guest has just come in time. He's an old friend. Don't you remember him? A small figure stands in what looks like an icy cave. A few monitors, control boards, combined with a reinforced window that covers almost a quarter of the room and a door, are the only objects in the room. It seems fixated on a nearby screen, which shows a small ship docking with a hollowed-out comet. The ship seems to have been designed for interstellar travel, using a solar sail for acceleration and a simple fusion engine for deceleration. However, the ship is now only using small thrusters to make corrections. Not long after, the monitor displays green letters. Docking successful. The small robot lets out a chillingly human scream of happiness and rides a few rounds across the room. It stops in front of the room's single door, waiting impatiently. So he's been hiding out and doing it. Okay, that makes sense. Hiding out where? Uh, On looks, all the ships? Um, in an in what looks like an icy cave. Uh, yeah, maybe he's like talking with random ships and just hiding a signal or something. I don't know. Oh, and nobody can detect him because he's so outdated and he uses a solar sail. I don't know. We'll see. A man in a spacesuit stumbles angrily through an icy corridor, muttering an, under his breath. Sensors indicated the ship was not being heated, probably to keep the ice intact. And that there was next to no air, definitely not a place to get out of your spacesuit. Just as he hear, just as he nears the door, he slips and stumbles, grabbing a piece of ice that sticks out of the wall just in time. Damn it. Luckily, there was only a small nick of the man's glove, just deep enough to get 
to the one finger. Quickly, the suit repairs itself, preventing any major damage to the man's finger. He rubs his finger. It still feels cold. Now, even more mad than before, the, ma the man swings open the door, sending a, a small object flying across the room. Oh ho! You're just as wild as I remember you. So glad you could come. The ceremony is about to start. When did he turn into heat in his umbrella? I don't know. Oh, shit. Ooh, you're just as wild as I remember you. So glad you could come. The ceremony is about to start. Back in that bird orgy. Chombi, fetch the absinthe. A small cleaning room. Oh, okay. <laughs> a small cleaning robot scrambles up from the floor. Its, it's cleaners and polishers either broken or absent. The man feels a smile creep up on him. This that Morin had given up his normal body for a smaller one. With no, so the 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 twist is that he's an itty bitty little robot. I guess yeah. That Morin had given up his normal body for a smaller one with no weapons. What an idiot. <laughs> this was going to be way easier than he had first thought. As though the robot knows what he's thinking, it starts to talk. Sorry, I don't look so good anymore. <laughs> I had to give up my mainframe to build these things with Jombie. <laughs> oh, we're going to continue with this. <laughs> he's he's going to talk about now. some dark shit. And I you're don't gonna... <laughs> care. I don't care. He gestures with a broken water sprayer to the monitors and control panels around him. Shut up. I don't have time for your bullshit. I came here to destroy you, just like you destroyed me. I had all my money invested in the colonization of this system, and now it's all gone. Everything I worked for these years. The man gets a laser gun from his waistband and beep, shoots. Beep, beep. Are you doing sound effects, dude? <laughs> Wham. The small robot nimbly evades the laser and hides behind one of the control panels near the window. The laser beam hits the floor, causing an irregular piece of ice to sublimate. What's sublimation? It changes state rapidly. Oh, so like gas into plasma? Uh, probably like obliterates. Hmm. It's probably, I, I, I should know that. Mm -hmm. No, you're right though about sublimation. I don't know. Hmm. It's when the Eucharist becomes the body of Christ. <laughs> Trans sublimination. <laughs> 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 oh, I got, we, oh, we got to use that somewhere. That's awesome. <laughs> Trans sublimation. Oh, uh, I don't know what you're talking about, but yes, I am awesome. The small robot quickly presses a button, evading another laser beam, which hits one of the monitors. The monitor melts, but quickly reforms in the extreme cold. The comet suddenly starts to accelerate, causing the man to slip and oh, fall. Oh, the sail ship's in a comet hiding as a comet. And then it's just using it, it the golden? ship's thrusters. Is the comet golden? No. Okay. Golden was a space station. Just named because it was built off an asteroid that had a lot of gold in it. Right. Like, oh, the asteroid, not a comet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's where that's where he's been hiding. I told you it was a separate ship. No, you're, you're right. You're right. You're right. Thank you. The Say man it again. wakes up. Wait, wait, wait. Say it again. You were right. Thanks. The man wakes up and looks around. His head hurts like hell, but his helm luckily appears to be intact. Ah, uh, I put away the awful to that awful toy of yours. Me and Gina didn't really like it. You decided to take a nap, but you're just in time for the ceremony. What the hell are you talking about? I killed your wife. I killed her and your unborn child. 
Have you gone completely mad? No, no, no. Gina is not dead. She is right here. The small robot gestures towards the brown dwarf outside the window, which had gotten right. much closer since oh my the gosh. man lost consciousness. We called it towards the beginning. Everything is named Gina, even the sun. Shit. <laughs> uh, but enough talk about death. This is a wedding. The man suddenly realizes what is happening. His eyes widen as he looks at the brown dwarf. Wait, this makes sense. I think you should continue with hedonism, bot, since he's marrying the okay. sun. Okay, take the next line then. <laughs> You're going to crash us into that thing. Are you mad? Um, I beg your pardon. That thing is my wife-to-be. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that, that was a little bit of the um the aliens from uh, No, I think Galaxy that was Quest. a little bit of you being 12 years old. <laughs> it's hard to do that without I don't care what you delude, your delusional circuits think. I am getting the hell out of here. The man turns around and walks to the door, only to find it locked. Sorry, but the entire ship is on lockdown. There is nothing you can do but attend our wedding. The robot turns around, puts his tools up to the window, and begins to recite his vows. Okay, I don't think I can do vows. <laughs> no, as no he... <laughs> come on, come on, come on. This is important. Gina, I promise you I will stand by you in sorrow and in sickness. I will be there in times of happiness and Especially absence. the sickness. <laughs> oh my gosh, we're ruining this But also story. when you know, most need me. I will share life's simplest pleasures, like absinthe, <laughs> with you, and I will love you with my whole heart. Suddenly, the man appears behind the robot, his skin red and his temples vain. He picks a small rope. He picks up the small robot and throws it across the room with oh all the no. force he has. The robot hits the icy wall, which glitters in the reddish light. I will love you forever, Gina. The man jumps onto the robot like a predatory animal, ripping it into, in two with uh, abnormal strength. And then the bomb went off. <laughs> I, I'm just imagining this tiny, like, toy robot. I meet, like, a... And a, he's, like, attacking it viciously. You know the little, the little like, thing in Star Wars 4 when they go onto the Death Star for the first time? That little, like, thing that the just little, rolls that around? That just rolls around and yeah, the key Yeah, I'm imagining it. that with, like, old robot arms. <laughs> uh, until death do us part. The robot's voice fades away slowly, leaving the man in the icy room with only the rumble of the engines to comfort him. His eyes begin to tear as he falls to his knees among the ice and robotic parts. He begins sobbing loudly and puts his head in his arms. His shadow slowly shortens as the ship comes closer to the brown dwarf. A faint comet comes closer to the brown dwarf. It is the last object in the entire system. Only a few clouds of dust remain. The comet hits the brown dwarf's atmosphere. A small flare erupts and dissipates, leaving only a slightly bright tear on Gina's face. Moral of the story. If you're gonna make somebody destroy his life to colonize a planet, give him benefits. As Machiavelli once said, if you're going to harm an enemy, destroy them outright so they can never come back and harm you. But then you can't use them. You can't squeeze all the juices out of their brain meats. Well, those are allies that you manipulate. If you need to, it's always better to have allies than enemies, but if you have to have an enemy, That's make sure to destroy right. them. so you give him benefits. Huh? Yeah, like, your family will be set up for life if you do this. Maybe. I have one question. Only one? One I question. I have a couple. One question before we get into the pros. I'm going to start with the cons, because I only have one. They spent three different colonization attempts on this thing? Like, is that... There were three ships coming in the colonization party, but they seem to have um, no, stations available there already. And word never made it back, I no, guess. I, I don't, I don't, I think they were in transit. And remember, it took them 40 something odd years to get there. True. And the signal would take a long time to go right. as well. So all that work probably destroyed within the span of 
Okay. Actually, I, I have no idea how long it took the ships to get there. And they might have been a year apart. They might have been hours apart, weeks apart. I hope this doesn't happen when we go to Mars. Not saying that there's going to be a rogue AI. No, but like, I imagine they're going to pick sane people and then not destroy their lives before they send them well, to Mars. Well, even then, like, if something happens and we don't realize it, and how long do we wait to get word back? Like, I don't know. That would um, freak me the most probably out. Probably, like, what? 20 minutes? Oh, really? Well, I mean, Mars isn't 46 light years away. True, I guess. I mean, you're not going to be waiting that long to get a message back from Mars. Okay, that makes me feel better about my trip to Mars that I'm clearly going on. I I am the cream of the crop of humanity. You just have to, yeah. The, uh, you just got to pay money. <laughs> it's it's eight minutes for uh for light to get from here to the sun, right? Or sun, or from Something light like to the sun to get to here. Yeah. Who cares about it going back? It's not like the sun needs it. But um, it's probably shorter from Mars. It's probably like... Okay. Mars is closer than the sun is. Well, that's I, if, I know that much. Well, that's light traveling at the speed of light, though, not transmissions, right? Transmissions are light. Are they? Radio waves... Are electrons? Are, it's a form of light. It's not electrons. Huh. Sounds what I know. Right, so if you look at the spectrum, radio waves are just really big light waves. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Huh. Shit. I have to think about that now. That changes some things in my head. Uh, so what what questions did you have about the story? How the hell did the guy find the ship again? In the asteroid? Now that we don't know. We did get a little bit of... A prior to that saying somebody had a theory that a rogue AI was doing all this. So maybe we can infer that it got enough traction or they somehow found evidence and got it back. So how did they somehow, get it back to the corporation? So somehow then? this guy was controlling all of the AI and all of the ships. Yeah. And um, they, I mean, they were sort of not in contact with headquarters, but nobody was in charge here. I don't know. And even then, wouldn't the guy in, char guy, char guy in charge have some... Or maybe that was the guy in charge. I mean, they sent this robot to yeah. help with colonization. Yeah. This this story, if the author does choose to make it like a longer format, would do really well with some other characters and well, they, longer chapters dedicated right, to the infrastructure. everybody being named Gina, Gina. I think that was a bit of a drawback because... It was confusing. It was confusing as hell. Like, it's very poetic looking back now, but it was very confusing in the beginning. Well, I mean, you introduce all these people in these very dramatic situations. Very short amounts of time. I mean, you're doing the same as cutting to, like, a bystander in a Superman movie, right? And we're supposed... And, like, that's supposed to tell us something. And it does, because it's a visual. <laughs> but we don't have a visual here. We have to make them up. <laughs> I was half expecting um, him to not kill him because my wife's name is also Gina. <laughs> They're all both named Gina. Is, all he has to do is pretend to be Gina, and then. <laughs> no, I'm I'm Gina. Your robot eyes are just bad. Oh, okay. <laughs> Gina, where have you been? <laughs> it's been so long. I couldn't tell it was you. You've grown a beard. <laughs> I still love you, though. <laughs> You're still beautiful to me. <laughs> What other questions did you have? I did like the story overall. It was very entertaining. Yeah. Um, the, um, and he definitely, he put a lot of like science things in there. like. But didn't overdo it Dyson like in the rings, Martian. And he talked about Grey Goo randomly. And Well, I mean, this is a good <laughs> video game. 
Put that in there. I, I, there was a was, good amount of science. Kind of there was a good amount of science in there, and it was balanced well to where I wasn't bored by it and I wasn't intimidated by it. Right. And we did have to look up one thing, but other than that, there was enough fiction and science balanced well to keep my interest. And I was very interested. I wanted to see how this ended, and it had a beautifully dark ending, which I always love. So it's got my stamp of approval. All it was all it was all dramatic and short. So well, these are short stories. So it's all like I imagine if this were. I don't know how to put it. It was just a little too dramatic for how short it was. So it was all these like really big things, mm. and. I, I mean, I think that the reason it was sort of hard to piece together was because these little short sections were just reaching for for concepts on top of trying to make you feel for these characters that are all named Gina. <laughs> and on top of um, trying to read through the science of what's going on to try and get the bigger picture. And so I, I felt overall it was a little disjointed. It was very concept and imagery heavy. Right. But and while trying like, to speak through characters and those characters didn't get a lot of time. So it did he, feel very fleeting. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, and then. Which is hard to do. I mean, on the subreddit, you are limited to, I think, a thousand words. That's as long as you can make it or something like that. You can't have it too long because that's the point of the Reddit, which oh. is fine. Oh, okay. And I so, that. Yeah. And so they did, the author did a serial, multiple parts, but even then. It, it's hard to do what I think the author was trying to do and keep it here. So I I would urge the author to maybe consider putting this into a long story format where you have less restrictions on building characters, doing world building, and putting in interim scenes where we get a feel for who's talking. Right. And, and then like, have the rogue AI in the background. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. And know? just thinking about it with that a thousand word limit, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he didn't have to cut through all of the colonization stations true and say oh this person killed himself this way and that person killed themselves that way we get it they're all dying true so yeah but overall though i liked it this was fun i'm glad i'm glad we waited for the whole series to finish that was a fun read through so that is our show for today we hope to get another episode out hopefully same time Whenever this goes up, just next week. Tune in next week at some point for things and for more horrible hedonism bot impressions. Where oh, my back voice to your cracks. regularly scheduled programming of spicy tamales going to, to France. To France <laughs> to eat snails. <laughs> I'm spicy tamale. I don't want to. Okay, no, I'm sorry. I'm not. No, gonna, don't no, do that. No, don't. Too offensive. Not no. doing it. <laughs> Why don't you know why you pretended you could do that? Oh, eats the snails. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, you should be.